District 14 of the Oregon State Senate comprises parts of Washington and Multnomah counties, including most of Beaverton and Aloha and adjoining communities. It is currently represented by Democrat Mark Hass of Beaverton. With Mark Hass leaving the post to run for Secretary of State, the position is open for new leadership. Dick Scouton is running to be the state senator for District 14. We have him here with us this morning. Good morning, Dick. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Emily. Thank you for being with us here on X-Ray. Tell us, who are you and why are you running? Uh, yeah, I've. Um, this district is, is, is actually overwhelmingly a Washington County district, mm-hmm. and about 70% of the state Senate district is in my Washington County uh, district. Uh, I've been uh, representing uh, the Beaverton, Aloha, uh, eastern part of Washington County for, for almost 20 years now. Uh, and uh, I'm running because I'm, I think that this district needs a strong progressive Democrat who's got deep roots in Washington County and really understands uh, this district, has been uh, working in the community for a long time and has had good successes. And why this next step in your public service career? Um, well, I... Um, it seems like today uh, people uh, come and go with jobs pretty frequently. I've, mm-hmm. I've been on the Washington County Board of Commissioners for, for uh, 20 years now. I have really have enjoyed it, but I felt about a year ago or so that uh, it was time um, for someone else to, to, to take a, another look and, and, and uh, another take in, in that position. I had uh, enjoyed a lot of success, but I felt it was time to, to, to move on. Uh, when the seat opened up, uh, I thought this was an opportunity to uh, look at some of the broader and work on some of the broader state issues that impact uh, my community and uh, my county government and the city of Beaverton and, and all the communities that are that are inside this district. Um, I um, I had some success uh, recently, a couple of years ago, with um, uh, a drug take-back bill in, um, I should say, uh, a drug take-back ordinance in Washington County. We were the first county to have a a drug take back um, program in place and uh, that helped lead to a statewide drug take back program uh, that I think passed because uh, Pharma felt that once a couple of larger of the local jurisdictions had passed something like that that it would uh, it would make sense for them to have a uniform drug take back bill uh, which uh, this this whole effort uh, uh, put me into Salem quite a bit I really enjoyed the lobbying I did there and um, it's no secret that I've uh, married uh, State Representative Sherry Scouton a couple of years ago, and I've gotten to, to experience vicariously her work. And mm-hmm. um, it's um, it's a it's a good place to go after a lot of good years on the Washington County Board of Commissioners. Right. So I've had a from, chance from a policy standpoint, et cetera. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've had a chance to read lots of candidate websites over the last several months in, in my role here at X-Ray. And looking at yours, the tagline on your campaign website says, real leadership, real results. What does that mean to you? Um, what that means is that I've, I've actually been a local legislator. Uh, I've been a local legislator for, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had... Um, I've, I've had to and learned how to, uh, you know, develop good relationships with a board that was a mixture of Republicans and Democrats. Um, had to build coalitions to get some of the um, things done that I've gotten done. Um, I mentioned the drug take back uh, piece, but um, 
think about um, the work that I did um, with uh, park development, uh, with affordable housing. Um, I um, uh, I was able to persuade our board that that we really needed to be um, working on a ten-year plan to end homelessness. That we needed to reorientate uh, how we spent our housing and uh, and homeless dollars. Uh, that we needed to start to dedicate land, pieces of land that we had left over from road projects, as a starting point for nonprofits to be able to build more affordable housing in the county. Um, I was able to leverage a relatively modest amount of uh, local share metro uh, park dollars uh, and working with the Trust for Public Land uh, and community leaders, business leaders, and um, uh, other electeds in the area uh, to be able to leverage that relatively modest amount of money into a number of significant park acquisitions. Um, so I've, I've, I've worked on, I've worked on real projects. Uh, I've had some, I've had good success, uh, both in affordable housing, um, park acquisition, um, work with our board to, um, um, make sure that in the future, um, um, special districts like the, like the Tualatin Hills Park and Rec District, that, um, that we'd be able to get them annexed or get, uh, get, get properties annexed into that park district, um, hinged or hooked on to land use approvals um so i've i've been really deep into into the details and the effort both in terms of community organizing building relationships with um my fellow electeds um and uh i've gotten i've gotten real things done and as you think back on the last two decades of your career what have you learned about getting things done about pushing big policy initiatives through a process to implementation uh, you've got to be very persistent you've got to be very stubborn you've got to have a high threshold of pain um you need to, <laughs> what does you that need to mean build... a high threshold of pain <laughs> i mean you have to be able to just be very persistent and and not accept no's for answers uh, i think you need to build relationships with people built on trust and respect um for example i had a very good relationship with uh, two prior um uh, board of commissioners chairs uh, both were much more conservative than i than i was but they came to see that were there were areas that we could overlap and, and find common interest and um i've kept my word um i try to be um a positive uh and constructive contributing member to the board and help them where where i thought that uh where i could mm -hmm. uh to, you know just to try to find overlapping areas of interest um and um uh, take time to get to know people um have lunch with them um uh, just um, come to know it, uh, and respect, uh, you know, where they're coming from. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And when you think about the drug take back program as an example, how was it different to get that done at the Washington County level versus working on it in Salem? What are the differences between a more local effort versus a statewide effort? Well, for starters, um, I, I just needed to persuade um, two other members of my board that this is something that we mm -hmm. ought to be that we ought to be working on. Um, there's a lot. It's um, um, I think uh, I've heard several people say, "Well, you can either be a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond or a smaller fish in a much bigger pond." Uh, you got to you have to have to be able to knit together much larger coalitions. Um, what I also learned is. Is that there's that there's creative ways of getting stuff done that you just need to think through. Uh, for years, 
um, there had been effort to get a drug take-back program on a statewide basis, and pharma was very resistant to that. We finally thought about this a little more deeply and realized that, uh, and looking at other states, that the, that the secret sauce as far as getting a drug take-back program passed was to get a couple of the larger local jurisdictions, uh, for example, in California, San Francisco, um, L.A. County, Santa Barbara County, uh, passed drug take drug take back ordinances and then it got to the point where there was enough of a critical mass uh, to um, uh, you know to persuade pharma that they were better off having a uniform statewide program rather than a patchwork of of um, programs across the state because as we were working here in Washington County on our drug take back ordinance I was also in contact and working with association working counties and uh, with Multnomah County Lane County uh, Marion County and those counties were uh, were going to be um, also passing some kind of a drug take back um, ordinance in their in their counties and so farmer could see the writing on the on the on the wall mm-hmm. so that's just a situation where you, we just had to think a little more creatively rather than just simply butting our heads and um, again it was a question of I've gotten over the years to develop relationship with other county commissioners at uh, at the Association of Oregon counties. Um, I had a high level of trust on my own board, worked closely with the district attorney and the and the sheriff because they were very supportive of this program as well and worked statewide with those associations. And mm-hmm. um, uh, and um, I had done some lobbying in the past as a county commissioner and I was able to work on those relationships and build on them. And um, I, I enjoy the lobbying part of it. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's fun work and... Uh, that's how you get stuff done. Uh, what did opposition look like? Were you up against pretty significant opposition in, in passing the drug take-back program at the state level? Uh, yes. Uh, the, 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 the first time around, we really took a big run at it. We were facing pharma. Uh, we also uh, got quite a bit of resistance. Um, so I would call it sort of passive-aggressive resistance from the former Ways and Means Committee uh, chair, uh, Richard Devlin. Um, uh, and I would say it was it was principally pharma that was, um, which is very of course very influential and very moneyed um, lobbying, um, uh, you know, entity. So, um, and we had good arguments and we had we had the good cause. But um, it's always a struggle for public agencies uh, or for community groups to to work on, um, on 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 bills because there's always the there's always sort of the reality that. Um, there's not a lot of money we can contribute to the ongoing election cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the more powerful interests, like pharma, are able to write checks for, you know, thousand dollars or or more to, uh, to, to to get access. So, mm-hmm. as you think about going to Salem in a new role, um, of course, the state legislature has been plagued with walkouts over the last two sessions. What do you think it's going to take to keep people in Salem to get work done? Well, it's 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 going to have to be. It, there's sort of the soft side and the hard side. I think the softer side is is um, surprisingly, state senators have, uh, I've learned really don't make much of a habit of coming to the house side of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I I plan to spend a fair amount of time visiting my colleagues on the house side of the building um, and. Um, being, uh, you know, being in their offices and not necessarily expecting them just to come to the, to the Senate side. It's kind of surprising. It seems like that would be good politics. Um, I'm going to make a real effort to um, um, 
you know, spend some quality time with people on both sides of the aisle and from different parts of the state um, in the legislative lounge, um, try to develop relationships. Some of some of some of the people who are now in the legislature from Eastern and Central Oregon were originally county commissioners, and so I'm hoping that mm-hmm. uh, I can build on those past relationships. Um, so I think part of it is just respect and uh, willingness to um, meet people halfway, just in terms of just, just as we're socializing and talking to them. Um, the other part of it is I think that uh, the uh, uh, quorum is unrealistically high for doing business, mm-hmm. uh, 40 members in the House uh, and um, 20 plus in the Senate. Um, I think it should just be a bare majority. Um, that should be enough for at least a quorum to do business. Uh, because we, and I think Oregon um, has by far the highest quorum requirements of any of any state in the country. And then on top of that, we're one of the states that has fixed legislative sessions. They can only go up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. So in other, many other states, the sessions are open-ended. So between having a fixed time where people can sort of wait you out and a very high quorum requirement, we kind of have a, a recipe for walkouts. So we need to um, bring this to the voters and um, um, uh, hopefully allow them to uh, be convinced that, that we need to make some uh, constitutional amendment changes to lower the quorum requirements, which I believe is what it takes, actually, mm. constitutional amendment. And where do you sit on cap and trade? I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm, I was very supportive of the first version of the bill. It's gotten a little weaker each uh, as time has gone on, but I'm a strong supporter of cap and trade. Uh, and and it's interesting because as a concept, it's actually something that started with Republicans way back in the 1990s. Um, it was a way to kind of use the market and market forces to try to address uh, issues involving acid rain and sulfur releases uh, in, in coal burning plants in the Northeast and upper part of the Midwest. Um, and it was counterposed to all kinds of regulations and a more regulatory approach. So this was more of a hands-off market approach where you use pricing to to um, um, change the influence behavior. Um, I think that's actually a pretty brilliant thing to kind of use our capitalism system to actually use market forces to to push us in directions we should we should be going into. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a very strong supporter of that. Um, and uh, and it's not the first time that I've seen where there's there's actually instances where the market can actually be uh, a good friend for progressive causes. Um, years ago, I was a, I did some pro bono work. In my past life, I was a lawyer, and years ago, I did some pro bono work for the Sierra Club. Um, and um, we were just trying to get grazing permits for cattle grazing in the Great Basin uh, part of the country uh, to set prices that were more realistic, that would actually, you know, that would reflect the cost on the land and, and um, uh, you know, what the true value of those grazing rights were and if that was if if we allowed for that kind of pricing that that would be uh, much better behavior by the cattle people as opposed to artificially low subsidized prices so sometimes we've had um, um, better behavior on progressive causes pushed forward by um, you know by market forces Uh, i think ingesting pricing on highways is another is another good example of that. Instead of simply building more roads, uh, which have terrible impact, but you know, particularly for communities of color, the, the whole freeway system that was built 
had a heavy and very uh, negative impact um, in, in many in many respects. Uh, and simply adding more lanes um, doesn't really do the job. But what can do the job is for us to actually put a price on um, 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 uh, on congestion and on uh, you know using our our so-called freeways. Mm. We're talking to Dick. So that's, I guess I guess that was a long-winded answer to say I I, I, I like the concept and I I would have supported and voted for both the version that was uh, pushed uh, out of the house in 2019 as well as the one that got stalled in the a shorter session uh, this this past year we're talking to dick Scout- yeah we're talking to dick scouton state senator candidate for the 14th district um and dick one more question about cap and trade so what do you see as the path forward there's been two valiant efforts uh, over the last two sessions where do we go from here with regard to cap and trade and bigger climate legislation coming out of Salem? Well, I, I, I think the trick is going to be to make sure that we get the right kind of state senators because um, mm-hmm. on the House side, it hasn't been a problem. They've been able to pass good, um, strong versions of cap and trade um, fairly easily out of the, out of the House side, House of Representatives side. Um, so um, if, if I'm elected to state Senate, I, I won't just be a, a passive uh, yes vote if it hits the floor. I, I'd like to I'd like to be able to work it, lobby it, and you know, be an active supporter. So I think the key is to make sure that we get we get enough state senators, um, um, you know, get them elected so that we can finally. Because we're close, mm-hmm. we're close. What's at stake in this race, in this state senate race that you're running for? Well, you know, I mean, it 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 may sound a little it may sound a little. Um, Sort of provincial, uh, and, and and maybe frankly have less of an impact on some of your listeners in the city of Portland. Um, and but um, I think part of this is that uh, I'm a, a strong progressive candidate and have been a strong progressive voice in Washington County Board of Commissioners. But I also have a very deep and strong roots and really understand this community. As I had mentioned before, about 70% of this uh, county commission district uh, is is in the state senate. Uh, I've lived in Beaverton for um, close to 30 years. I've been on the county board for 20 years. Um, I worked hard uh, to get the Aloha uh, farmer's market uh, set up. I worked very hard with the community, raised quite a bit of money to get the Aloha library established, um, worked on uh, a couple of big park projects in West Beaverton and in Beaverton and down into the um, Shoals Progress, Bull Mountain area. Um, I, I really understand Washington County, and um, and there are there are a couple of precincts in Multnomah County, and I'm certainly going to um, work that area and, and as well. But about 98% of this district is in Washington County, and I just feel that someone who lives in the county uh, is under the jurisdiction of the Tualatin Hills Park and Rec District and the Beaverton School District, which are pretty important uh, services in, in this area. Uh, is is the right person for uh, the state senate district 14. Mm. As you look at recovery from this global pandemic for Washington County, what does Washington County need that you'll be fighting for in Salem as a state senator? What is what are the priorities you would have specifically around COVID-19 recovery for Washington County? Well, right now actually something that I'm very concerned about, I, I guess you could argue it's 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 not quite at the recovery stage it's sort of in the immediate crisis that we're in mm-hmm. and i'm very concerned that um our farm worker um, camps 
um, in Washington County uh, and, and elsewhere in the Willamette Valley in the, in the state of Oregon don't become our version of meatpacking plants. Mm-hmm. Um, people have, have, have typically worked in very, have lived and worked in very close quarters uh, in, in agriculture. Um, the, the pickers and the, and the migrant workers uh, have often been transported um, in, in buses and, and in a very collective kind of way. Um, I am um, um, really pushing currently that uh, w- uh, Washington County received about $104 million of CARES money um, because we're one of the three jurisdictions, local jurisdictions, that have more than 500,000 uh, people in it. So we got we got some sort of extra allocations. I'd like to see some of that money go into working with OSHA, with the Farm Bureau, um, with Central Cultural and Salud to make sure that the working conditions this summer and for the next years going forward, um, you know, provide for better living quarters, more more space. Uh, and to make sure that um, that um, those frontline workers uh, don't um, get, um, you know get high rates of infection, hopefully none. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's that's more immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the, um, in the in the in the longer term, um, we um, uh, I think we need to as a county, as a state, as a region, we need to. Um, um, be more serious about um, our uh, 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 our disaster preparedness efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, do more tabletop exercises uh, that involve pandemic. We we have we have not uh, put the, the kind of time and effort and coordination into disaster preparedness as a state as we should have, uh, and they have tended to focus in on and and obviously we have real issues and concerns about the Cascadian subduction earthquake, but we needed to I think expand. Uh, the areas that we do um, our, uh, our, uh, our programming and uh, our exercise in. Um, fundamentally, the COVID uh, you know, um, situation has exposed the very threadbare safety nets that we have. Uh, I, I'd like us to uh, explore. I, I, one of the reasons, one of the principal reasons I'm running is I'd like to see us um, make some significant increases in, in tax revenues. Uh, I think our uh, our income tax needs to be more progressive. We need to make sure that our kicker tax uh, doesn't go back to the very wealthiest uh, corporate and um, uh, citizens. We we need to hold on to those dollars um, at, at, the, at the high end. Uh, we need to um, bring an end to uh, the interest mortgage deductions for second and third homes. Uh, we, we need to raise some additional money to be able to um, do the kind of programming that uh, that we need in terms of really uh, having a much stronger safety net than we've had in the state. And I think we should very seriously take a look at the uh, at the possibility of some kind of a of a guaranteed uh, universal basic income. Mm-hmm. All those things are all going to cost money, and I think we need we need some real tax reform. Mm-hmm. And when you think about disaster preparedness, back to that part of your answer, what is the main factor that you think needs to be addressed? Is it coordinating between agencies, nonprofits, et cetera? Is it revenue? Is it something else? It's it's it, it's uh, it's both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have really, as a region, uh, we have the regional disaster preparedness organization. As a state, mm-hmm. um, the uh, work has been underfunded quite a bit. Um, for example, we don't have 
the same kind of sophisticated seismic uh, wave uh, sort of forewarning system that California and Washington uh, has, the state of Washington has. We, we just, we've been hard pressed to find the money to put that kind of system together that would actually give us a, a, a critical 35, 40, 50 seconds of warning if a large seismic wave was about to, you know, hit this, uh, hit this, um, hit, hit the state. Um, we haven't, we haven't had the money to do the kind of um, comprehensive, um, uh, you know, tabletop exercises on a wider variety of topics. We, we just haven't done enough of them, and they haven't been of the kind of quality that we need. So, um, what's a tabletop exercise? Uh, one of our state representatives uh, attended one of our regional disaster preparedness organization briefing meetings, and she said, uh, gee, you guys are doing some great work. I, I, how come I hadn't heard of you? <laughs> so, And as, as you just described, what, for our listeners, what's a tabletop exercise, if they've never heard that term before? Um, it's, it's a situation where you put together uh, a scenario. Um, there are uh, there's work done to put together film videos. Um, you um, do a, sort of an analysis of worst case scenarios and possibilities. Um, you um, uh, bring together people from different disciplines to um, uh, uh, you know react to uh, uh, to some, you know, some outfall or some, you know, some event that comes subsequent to, let's say, uh, a big, a big earthquake or a pandemic, and how you would react to it, what kind of resources you would put into it. It's a, it's a kind of a, uh, it's not, it's not a written essay kind of exercise. It's a kind of a doing and, uh, you know, pretending that you're actually in this kind of a situation, and and you use all kinds of medium to. Um, um, to be totally emerged for a day or two into uh, a, a real catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And Dick, as you think back on this campaign and getting to know your your region in a different way, what's something new that you've learned about the community that you'll be serving? Oh, that's a that's a that's an interesting uh, um, that's an interesting question. Um, well, um, I. Um, just very specifically about the state senate district um i, I did realize uh, to be honest with you that there were these two sort of orphan precincts from Multnomah county that 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 are part of state senate district 14. i um have seen maps of the of the district from time to time as i've seen other legislative districts in in in, in, in a conference or whatever but i had i had just assumed that it was entirely in washington county so it's it's going to there's going to be an opportunity to um be involved in some of the of some of the events and 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 programs, uh, uh, forums, et cetera, in Multnomah County. Given that I do have uh, our two precincts, there's about 700 people in that district. Out of about, um, I think it's about 700 voters out of about 18,000 um, voters in the rest of the of the of the, um, of the district that are in Washington County. So this is not an exclusively Washington County uh, district, uh, which I had kind of I think assumed was the case. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, it it's a district that will demand that you put in the time and effort in two counties. Yeah. And Dick, as folks look at their ballot and they see your name and they want to learn more, what, where should they go to learn more about you and your campaign? Thank you. Yeah. Um, my website is uh, dickscouton.com. D 
Dick, S-C-H-O-U-T-E-N, like the number 10, DickScouten.com is, is, is my webpage. And there you'll find, you know, uh, endorsements, some of my policy positions, um, past work experience, um, um, a little bit about my growing up years. Um, just, just very quickly, I just, um, I'm someone that was an immigrant. Uh, I came to the U.S. as, um, as an immigrant at four and a half from the Netherlands. And so my first language actually was not English. And so I always feel like that's been a real plus for me that I realize there's more than one way of thinking and one way of doing things and having that extra dimensionality of another language. And actually, my second language actually was Spanish because my parents originally were working on a farm outside of Fresno, California, on a ranch. So um, it, it's good to be able to, to um, speak other languages. So uh, all that kind of stuff is discussed in, on my website, dickscouten.com. Excellent. Dick, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. And that's Dick Scouten, candidate for Senate District 14. You can find out more at DickScouten.com.